God's Little Brown Church Sermon Series featuring Pastor Andrew Chrysler. I want to talk this morning. The, the, the title this morning is The Son is Given. And I want to talk through Scripture. We're going to go, those that have heard me speak before know we do quite a bit of Scripture. Because I'm much more interested in what God has to say than what Andrew has to say. But I do want to share it. It's Today is December 24th, 2023. This year is almost over. We have one more Sunday in this year. Lord willing. Unless sometime between now and next Sunday, the angel stands with one foot on the land and one foot on the sea and declares the time will be no more. Because there's coming that day. He has but such a short time here. A short time, absolutely. Yep. So we're going to start with Isaiah 7, beginning with verse 13. If you're looking it up in the Pew Bible, it's page 464. Um, but uh, I want to talk, Isaiah talking to the king, actually talking to, to Ahaz, the king, and he says, Then he said, Hear now, O house of David, is it a small thing for you to weary men, but will you weary my God also? Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. Behold, a virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel. Emmanuel is interpreted God with us. I'm fascinated by this prophecy. I was talking, when I was in Israel many years ago, I was talking with a, with a Jewish man and I was talking about this verse. I said, how do you explain this verse? That a virgin will conceive and bear a son and they will call his name Emmanuel, call his name God with us. How do you explain this verse? And he says, oh, no, no, that's not a virgin. That's just some woman. I said, so let me get this straight. The Lord himself will give you a sign as a promise that he's going to fulfill his word and God's sign is some woman somewhere is going to get pregnant. That doesn't sound like what God would use to declare this is going to be a sign. I don't know about you. That was my takeaway from that. And we had this, had this conversation with the guy. He couldn't explain his understanding of it. And the thing, another thing about this that gets me is he is talking, um, God is giving this sign to a king in Israel, actually a king in Judah, because it's the days of the divided kingdom. It's about 700 years before Jesus is born. This, the God Himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and bear a son, and they will call his name Emmanuel. This is going to be a sign to a king 700 years before it was fulfilled. That tells me when God declares something, it is done in heaven, whether it's worked out in the time, in the wheel of time yet or not. It is done. God said, it is going to happen. This is going to be a sign. This is a surety that I'm going to do what I've already promised you. Praise God. So in Matthew 1, which is page 651 in your book, or in the, uh, the Pew Bible, rather, not necessarily your book, your Bible might be different. We found that out on Wednesday night. We'll say, you know, where are we at? 
Oh, we're in Mark chapter 2, and Deb will say, yeah, it's page 742 or whatever. Like, no, it's 742 in your Bible, not necessarily in the other Bible. So in the Pew Bibles, it's page 651. Matthew 1, beginning with verse 18, says, The birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man and not wanting to make her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary, your wife, for that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she will bring forth a son, and you will call his name Jesus, for he will save his people from their sins. Jesus, Yeshua, Jehoshua is God's salvation. It's what the name means. For he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet, saying, Behold, a virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is God with us. God's fulfilling His Word 700 years after He gave it. Now, the oldest book in the Bible is the book of Job. Scholars agree on that. It was written uh, before Moses started writing down all all the first five books. And in the book of Job, Job says at one point, he says, I know my Redeemer lives. And in the last day He will stand on the earth and my eyes will see Him. In my flesh I will see Him. My eyes and not another's. Job knew, written before Moses started writing down, talking about what happened in Genesis, Exodus, Leviticus, before he started writing all these things down, it was known. So when we go into Romans, which we're not going into Romans, but when we go into Romans and we read in Romans, what is it, 8, is it 8 or is it 1, that the things of God, uh, things pertaining to God are visible in the nature around us, God, that... God has given us ample evidence of His existence in the world around us. So even back before the before Moses, before the Ten Commandments, before God's promise to Abraham, before all of these things happened, Job was the most righteous man on the earth, or most righteous man in the East, and he knew about God. And he had this relationship, and he knew God was sending a Savior. Because he knew without a Savior, man couldn't approach a holy God. Throw that stuff out there. It's like, what are you doing, Andrew? Well, praise God. So in here we just read in Matthew um, about the, the angel telling Joseph that... Mary was conceived, the child conceived in Mary was by the Holy Spirit. This was God's salvation. Verse 21 says, For He will save His people from their sins. So let's go to Luke 2. Beginning with verse 1, page 689. Those of you that have watched the Charlie Brown Christmas, this is what Linus quotes. And I... 
And it came to pass in those days that a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that all the world should be registered. King James says all the world should be taxed. (laughs) Praise God. This census first took place when Quirinius was governor of Syria. So all went to be registered, everyone to his own city. Joseph also went up from Galilee out of the city of Nazareth into Judea to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and lineage of David, to be registered with Mary, his betrothed wife, who was with child. So it was that while they were there, the days were completed for her to be delivered. And she brought forth her firstborn son and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. Now there were in the same country shepherds living out in the fields, keeping watch over their flock by night. And behold, the angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone round about them, and they were greatly afraid. And the angel said to them, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. Let me stop right there for just a minute. If you watch a Charlie Brown Christmas and you see Linus quoting this, you will see something that you will not see any other time in any other Peanuts cartoon, in any other Peanuts show, in anything else. When Linus gets to the part where he says, Fear not, he drops a security blanket. That's the only time in any of that. And Charles Charles Schultz did that on purpose. When the angel says, Fear not... You know, your security doesn't come in things around you. It comes in knowing that God has sent salvation. That God has sent Jesus to redeem our lives from destruction. He says, fear not, and drops that blanket. Come back from a little side note there. Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which shall be to all people. For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign to you. You will find the babe wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel the multitude of heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. So it was when the angels had gone away from them into heaven that the shepherds said to one another, Let us now go to Bethlehem and see this thing which has come to pass, which the Lord has made known to us. And they came with haste, and they found Mary and Joseph and the babe lying in a manger. Now when they had seen him, they made widely known that saying which was told them concerning this child. And all of those who heard it marveled at those things which were told to them by the shepherds. But Mary kept all of these things in her heart, all of these things and pondered them in her heart. Then the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had heard and seen as it was told to them. The Savior of the whole world was born in the city of Bethlehem or in a a stable somewhere within the confines of Bethlehem. The angels declared it. The shepherds went and see. And then the shepherds told everybody. And those that heard it marveled. 
be and the Romans crucified him. Yes, they did. Say the truth. Okay. What's that? Say the truth. The Romans crucified him. The Romans did crucify him at the. Um, and that was at the hand of the Father. It was the Lord's doing, and it's marvelous in our sight. Is what Scripture says. He was sent here to redeem our sins. Yep. Okay. And bring us back to our God. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. I'm getting there. I'm slow. I take a roundabout route, but I'm getting there. Jesus came to be our Savior. So, the, um, the shepherds made it, made it widely known, and everyone that they heard, they told about it and marveled. When Jesus was 12, He was in the temple asking and answering questions with the, with the teachers and, and the learned men, and, and uh, had told His mother, that didn't you know I must be about my father's business? So he was sitting there sharing. So all of these things happen in, in Jesus' life. You know, um, the wise men coming from the east come and, and they talk to Herod and said, Where is he that is born the king of the Jews? For we have seen his star. And Herod went and acquired of the, uh, of the rabbis and of the scribes and says, Where is, where is this Christ to be born? They said, In Bethlehem. So that's where they sent the wise men to go see. They knew Scripture was being fulfilled. Yet, some 30 years later, as Jesus begins His ministry, they didn't want to believe it. How come this man has such wisdom? He didn't teach as, as the scribes, but as one having authority, Scripture tells us. Why is He so different? Because He was coming to reconcile us to God. Coming into a world that is, had gone on its own direction, gone on its own way, just like the children of Israel did, just like I did, just like we have all done. Do that which is right in our own eyes. We see a lot of that going on in the world today. Think people doing what is right in their own eyes. Well, that's right for you, but that's not right for me. That's true for you, and that's not true for me. Treat your neighbor as good as you treat yourself. Right? Truth is truth. Truth is truth. And Jesus Christ, and Jesus said, you know, sanctify them, talking to the Father, sanctify them with your word. Your word is truth. Just that little bit, even a little bit of the word of God, as we allow it to get into our lives, can begin to change us and begin to teach us. I've talked before about when I was in the Ukraine all those years ago, uh, and we were handing out Bibles, that they were tearing the Bibles apart so that they could share them knowing just a little bit of the Word of God, a little bit of the truth of God, God can begin working in our lives because He wants to make such a difference. Jesus came to restore the relationship, came as the Word was made flesh and dwelt among us, says in John, that the Word of God became life and shows us, Jesus said, if you've seen me, you've seen the Father. It comes to us to represent who God is. And how how God lives, or how God uh, relates to people, in John three, which is page seven fifteen. John three, 
Beginning with verse 13, it says, No one has ascended to heaven, but he who came down from heaven. That is the Son of Man who is in heaven. And as Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, even so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. For God did not send His Son into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. God sent Jesus to be salvation because we were condemned because of our own sin. We were condemned because of of turning our back on the things of God. As it says in Romans, the, the attributes of God are visible. God has displayed who He is in the world around us. We can look out the window... And know that there is a God. What about the fallen angels? They made a choice. Hang down. Right? From Mount Hermon. Yep. Them are the ones that taught us the sin. Nope. No? Nope. The, the, the fallen angels never taught man to sin. Oh, they didn't teach war. The fallen angels never taught man to sin. The scripture says man sins. We sin when we are led apart by the lusts in our own heart. No, no, no. I, I don't believe you have a problem with me asking you these things, right? I would like to get through the message, and if you want to talk, I'm happy to talk with you after. Okay. You talk. Okay. God sent Jesus to make the way of reconciliation. He had to be the perfect sacrifice. He had to be, he had to live a perfect sinless life. Because if Jesus had sinned, his death could not have paid the price for mine, for my sin. He had to be the perfect sinless sacrifice. Perfect sinless sacrifice. He had to be the perfect one. Jesus said, I do only the things that please my Father. If he did only the things that pleased the Father, he was always perfect. He was always doing what was right. Praise God. So this is the time of year where the world gets together. Actually, the world, even the secular world, celebrates a holiday and they call it Christmas. We call it Christmas. This is the time of year that that's done. But if Jesus has redeemed your life from destruction, my life from destruction, that's not something that should be celebrated one day a year. If Jesus went to the cross and paid for my penalty, that's not something that should be celebrated only on Easter. Jesus coming to the world, Jesus being the salvation that God has provided because He's made such a difference in my life, such a difference in your life, is something we need to celebrate each and every day. If, if we have not allowed God to change our lives, why are we celebrating in the first place? But if we've recognized that God has sent salvation, that we can declare just like Job did way back then, before any of the other Bible was written, I know that my Redeemer lives. And in the last day, He will stand on the earth and my eyes will see Him. In my flesh, I will see Him. Knowing that God has made a way of reconciliation. God has made a way to redeem our lives from destruction. In the Garden of Eden, after, the, after uh, 
the serpent appeared to Eve and said, got her to question whether or not God really said. Did God really say that if you eat of this apple, you'll die? And Eve, of course, said, he said, if you eat it or even if you touch it, you will die, which is not what God said. But God said it to Adam before Eve was created. But the, the, the ultimate question, the ultimate temptation, the thing from the very beginning is, did God really say? Is God's word true? If you believe God's word is true, then we live like God's word is true. If we don't believe God's word is true, then what are we relying on? We had a, I know a, a, a gentleman who um, has some things going in his, on in his life that he uh, doesn't believe is wrong. He grabs onto a part of the scripture says, if you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, you will be saved. But he doesn't go on to the part where it says, Jesus says, those who love me are those who keep my commandments. He wants to ignore parts of God's word and just hang on to one little scripture for his salvation. I have a problem with that. My problem with that is, if you don't believe God's word is true, how can you hang on to one verse as though that one verse is true when you don't believe the word is true? Scripture says that um, if we keep the whole law but break one small part of it, then we haven't broken a part of the law. We've broken the law because it's all one law. It's how to live. God has given his instructions on how to live. If we look at the Ten Commandments and go through there, and I don't know about you, but when I look at the Ten Commandments, I recognize things I had done. Yet God has forgiven me for. God has made the way of reconciliation that I can come before a holy God. And I celebrate that each and every day of what God has done, what God continues to do. I praise God I'm not the person that I used to be. My wife says, if I knew you then, I wouldn't know you now. Because I was messed up. Now, it, put it in perspective. I'm messed up. But praise God I'm not that messed up. I'm not who I was. God is continuing to mold me and continuing to change me each and every day. And I rejoice in that each and every day. That the sovereign hand of an almighty God is at work in my life. And He's doing it because He made the way of salvation so that I can boldly come before the throne of grace. He has opened the door. He has brought me back into what Adam gave away in the garden. God would walk with Adam in the cool of the garden. And then after the sin, after eating the fruit of the knowledge, fruit of the knowledge of the tree, uh, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, after eating of that fruit, and they were naked and they knew it and they were ashamed, Scripture says, when God walked in, they hid. God who created the heavens and the earth, who sees everything, knew exactly where they were. But when God said, Adam, where are you? It's not, a, it's not because he didn't know where they were. It's because they suddenly realized they couldn't come in the presence of a holy God. That is what caused that separation. It's passed on to each of us. All have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But God sent His Son. We talk about it here. We read it in Scripture. For He will save His people from their sins. They will call His name Emmanuel. He is God with us. He's the one who reconciles us to the Father through the, His own shed blood on the cross. 
that we might come boldly before the throne of grace. It says in Isaiah 53, when you claim his soul as a sacrifice for sin, he that is the father looks down and sees Jesus standing in your place and is satisfied. We come before a holy God, not having our own righteousness, but having the righteousness of Jesus. Because of what he did on our behalf. He laid down his life. He paid the price for your sins and mine. And he took it up again, demonstrating his his power over death, hell, and the grave. And gives us his righteousness. That's something we celebrate each and every day. Isaiah 9, beginning with verse 6, page 465. Final passage, I promise. Well, maybe I don't. Yeah, I promise. It says, For unto us a child is born. Unto us a son is given. And the government will be upon his shoulder. And his name will be called Wonderful, Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the increase of his government and peace there will be no end. And upon the throne of David and over his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and justice from that time forth and forever. The zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. God's plan was to provide this perfect sacrifice. God's plan was to send his salvation. You will call his name Emmanuel. Another place you will call his name Jesus, which is God's salvation. You know, when uh, you hear people uh, using the the Hebrew version of the name Yeshua, God's salvation. Jehoshua, God will save. When we see that God has made the way of reconciliation, He had promised it. Remember, Isaiah is writing 700 years, give or take, before Jesus is born. That this is coming. There are prophecies of Jesus. And God's salvation and God's deliverance in every book of the Old Testament. God will make a way. God will not leave His people comfortless. God will not leave His people without a remnant. God will not abandon us or desert us. It's all through Scripture. Even going in when, when uh, the children of Israel were doing what was right in their own eyes, when they were sinning, when they were turning against God. And God says, and I s- let your enemies come in and devastate you. Let your enemies come in and, and kick you out of your land. And all of these things that happen to the people it says, when you will turn and repent, then I will redeem you. God wanted to do that from the very beginning. From the very garden. When the, day, when the, when the sin happened, when God is talking to the serpent, he made reference to salvation. Something we celebrate each and every day. The salvation of the Lord. What God has done. As we celebrate this time of year, uh, a lot of places have got a, a, a manger scene set up and reminiscing and just, you know, pointing, picturing the little baby. 
Jesus was born to the Virgin Mary, was born into this world so that He could be fully man. To go through, uh, be a man just like us, all the same temptations, the same problems, the same pains, the same turmoils, the same things we face in life. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the, pride, uh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, those areas that we're tempted in, that they were tempted in in the garden, that Jesus was tempted in in the wilderness. Command this bread to be made stone, or stone to be made bread. Don't do it the other way. It's not, it's not, as, it's not as healthy that way. Command these stones to be made bread because he was hungry. He was hungry. It was natural to be hungry. He hadn't eaten in 40 days. But to use God's power for his own benefit would be wrong. To use that divine nature to satisfy the devil would certainly be wrong. Or take him up to the to the uh, to the high place and and see all of this all of the nations of the world and says Satan says all of this I will give you if you will bow down and worship me. Lust of the eyes, all of this I'll give you, and he wouldn't do it. Or go up on the uh, the, the pinnacle of the of the the temple and says throw yourself down. Because the Word says the angels themselves will bear you up lest you dash your foot against a stone. Show who you are. Jump out there. Be proud of yourself. A pride of life. Those same areas that each and every one of us is tempted in. Jesus went through the temptation. It came through without sin. To redeem us to a holy God. That's something we celebrate each and every day. A child is born... But the Son is given. The Son came to redeem our lives from destruction. Praise God. Father, we thank You. We thank You, Lord, that when we had no way to approach You, You made a way of reconciliation. When we were dead in trespasses and sins, You redeemed our lives from destruction. When we had no hope... You gave us grace. Jesus came, born of a virgin, lived a perfect sinless life, was put to death. It says in Revelation, He's referred to as the Lamb slain before from the foundation of the earth. A Lamb that was slain to be that perfect sacrifice to redeem our lives, Father. We thank You, Lord, for Your grace. We thank You, Father, for Jesus. We thank You, Father, for salvation. We thank You, Lord, that You didn't leave us alone. You will never leave us nor forsake us. So, Father, be glorified. We give You praise, Lord, in Jesus' name. Amen. Thanks for listening. For more information, visit glbcdt.org.